Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and we've got another great episode lined up for today with an amazing guest. Today's guest is the Senior Director of Learning and Development at Healthy North America. Please welcome to the show, Jason Aurora. Hello, Jason. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've been really excited to have this conversation. You and I had a very robust uh, preparation call coming into today, and I'm really looking forward to sharing some of your thoughts and, and wisdom with our audience. So let's get started as we always do. And I'd like to ask you the question, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today? Yeah. And, and again, thank you, Justin, for the opportunity to, to talk to your audience. Uh, this is a really important topic for me personally, and also in the role that I'm in. But uh, to answer your question as succinctly as I can, I think I think there's two things here, two topics. One is one of the toughest things that we find at Hilti and, and in previous organizations that I've worked in, which we'll get to in a bit, is the idea that in order for you to really be effective from a learning perspective in a deskless environment, it's very difficult for someone to carve out the time. And what I mean by that is when you're working in a corporate environment and you're sitting in front of a computer or a laptop, or you have a digitized type of role where it's much easier, at least the perception is it's much easier for you to be able to carve out that time for your own personal development, whether it's personal development or even any form of training or development that the organization strategically requires you to accomplish, right? So connecting with these individuals and getting them to carve out time can be very challenging. And this is the perspective we hear from deskless um, employees and team members in the field yeah. on a daily basis. I would say the other perspective from a leader is when we talk about deskless workers, when we talk to our leaders, one of the challenges or one of the many challenges is an inability to communicate effectively with team members or with employees. Um, I say that because we know that it's becoming more and more complicated as we continue to digitize our world, there are so many distractions and there's so many different ways to communicate with further and further apps and introductions to social media. Organizations are trying to figure out what is the most effective way to really connect between a leader and an employee. And um, we're doing some really interesting things at Hilti, and I'm sure many of your listeners are also working for organizations that are trying to figure out how to make that work. So the way that I answer the question is from an employee perspective, it's carving out the time intentionally, which is very difficult. It's difficult for anybody, but in a field, in a deskless environment can be very, very difficult. And for leaders that are leading people in a deskless environment, communicating with them in an effective way can be very challenging as well. Both of those are topics that I want to dig into a little bit further um, because it, the, the time for frontline workers, that conversation's come up a little bit on the show um, with some previous guests. And I'd like to explore that a little bit further with you because I agree completely on that. And I think it has to do a little bit with how we measure their productivity and effectiveness. <clears throat> Excuse me. The inability to communicate effectively with employees from a leadership standpoint, um, I'd like to explore that a little bit further too and, and really look for ways that maybe we can 
um, help our listeners think through some ways that we can improve that. So let's let's table those topics for a minute. And I want to give our audience a little bit of background on you and your personal and professional journey that's led you to Hilti. And um, maybe for some folks that may not be familiar with uh, Hilti, give us a little bit of background on the company as well. Sure. Um, so Hilti was founded in 1941. Um, it's still to this day a family-run business, believe it or not, with over 34,000 employees operating in over 120 different countries around the world, based out of the small little principality in Europe known as Liechtenstein. Um, we, we've been around for just over 80 years. The aim of the organization at the highest level is to build a better future. And that sounds really cliche, but the truth of the matter is, you know, we want to help our customers build faster, safer, and more sustainably. So everything that we do as an organization is to really ensure that we are an end-to-end productivity partner for our customers and everything that they do. And being in the construction industry, when I say, you know, faster, sustainably, and, and, um, and safer. Those are things that I think any of your listeners that either work in the industry of construction or know friends and family that work in the industry. Those are things that have always been a challenge for the construction industry. When we look at productivity in itself, you know, many, many studies show that the construction industry lags um, so many different industries when it comes to software enhancements and productivity development. Whereas we see many other industries, whether it be banking or retail, really investing in the in the in both the customer experience and the learning experience. And where we see Hilti playing a strong role here is really putting uh, its best foot forward when it comes to creating this experience for customers in the field. So we want to be that end-to-end solution for all of our customers in the industry. So that's a little bit about Hilti. I could talk about Hilti forever, but at a high level, that's what that is. So to answer your next question, or your other question, a little bit about me. So I've spent the last 15 years in human resources functions in various industries, uh, both in the US and Canada. Um, You know, maybe just to give you a little bit, a little bit more about my background. So my parents came to Canada, actually, I'm Canadian, living currently in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but I'm originally Canadian from Toronto, Canada. And my parents um, moved to Canada in 1980 as refugees. So they are from Portugal. And, you know, we know that many, many populations, both in Canada and the United States, um, many, I, I should say, many people that make up the construction population in Canada, the United States, are of some very distinct ethnicity groups, and one of them being Portuguese. And there's a number of reasons for that. But I grew up in my household with a father that um, worked his entire life in blue collar construction jobs, and a mother who would work night shifts in a factory and come home and sleep a couple of hours and go and clean houses because we needed to make ends meet. And I share this story because I think it's important for listeners, for the listeners um, on this on this podcast today, but also for anyone that knows me well, knows that everything that I do personally comes from a, a passion of what I've experienced myself. And I think what aligns me very well to Hilti is when I shared with you earlier that the organization's mantra is to really build a better future. I've grown up my entire life wanting to do better you know, so that my parents' decision to come to Canada for a better life for them and for our future, for their future family wouldn't be in vain. So everything that I do from the organizations I've worked for, whether they be an HR, more, more uh, operational or more traditional HR roles versus the role that I'm in today where I'm responsible for the learning 
portfolio for Hilti North America, it's constantly focused with this idea that, you know, we all want to wake up in the morning, we all want to be valued, we all want to be safe, we want to feel respected. And when we talk, when I talk about the work that I'm doing here specifically at Hilti, it's really with a focus of, of doing those three things, but always in the back of my mind, knowing that I come from a very humble beginning of, of especially a father who worked in the industry his entire life. And I, I witnessed, you know, many times, whether it be him himself or family members or friends working in unsafe practices or, or job sites that maybe didn't offer uh, the best work environment. So not only does that make me proud to work at Hilti, that those, those focus areas of sustainability and safety and productivity are at the top of what we do. I also can play a role there, of course, from a learning and development perspective for this deskless worker that we talk about, because we cannot forget the deskless worker. They are the majority of our workforce. Yeah. So hopefully that's not too long of an answer, but that's really where it comes from. It's not too long at all. And actually, are, are your mom and dad still with us? They are. What do you think they would be most proud of about your contributions to the space? Yeah, it's a great question, actually. I, I, haven't, I haven't actually spent a lot of time there. And I think it comes from this, this background of, you know, you hustle and you work really hard and you don't really spend a lot of time thinking about, about that in particular. But I, I, what I would say is if I were to have my mom and dad here, they would probably say you know, that I haven't necessarily forgotten my roots. I think that would be very important for them. And I think the lesson for me in particular is no one listening and, and no one in particular should ever forget where they come from. Not because whether it's, it's challenging background or maybe a privileged background where you were given a lot more opportunity than others. I, I hope and I would expect that they would say that I use that, those challenges and some of those triumphs that we had growing up um, to better the future in any way, in my own small little, you know, way, uh, or piece of the pie, I should say. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much for that background and, yeah, uh, for sharing some of the, the personal history with your family. That's, that's pretty awesome. And I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed about having this podcast is meeting so many people today that are impacting the lives of other frontline workers that have some connection themselves to other frontline deskless workers, whether it be a family member or even a previous role that they played that helps bring an unusual amount of empathy to the role that they play today and really being able to put themselves in the shoes of the people that they serve uh, today in the organization. And, and what you just described is a great demonstration of that. So let's talk through some of the, um, we had so much that we we talked about that we could potentially bring to the show today from our prep call that we're going to have to filter some of it, but <laughs> some of the big things just because of time. Um, but some of the, the big things that really stood out to me, you, you talked about prior to COVID, how things were really primarily in-person instructor-led training and how COVID really forced some pretty significant innovation on the part of, of you and your organization. And I sense that you were quite proud of the accomplishment that you and your team had had uh, really made during that time. And I'd love for you to just share, you know, to the extent you are, are able today to share that process with us about how really the pendulum shifted over from completely in person to, you know, going to remote throughout that process. And, and then now that hopefully we're in this post COVID world now, you know, what of that is sustaining into the future? Um, what has now become the norm inside your organization? Talk us through that. Yeah. So 
this is always uh, something that we we really enjoy talking about at Hilti. And I say that because, and maybe it's important to give a little bit of context here. So I shared a little bit about Hilti earlier. What I didn't share with you is that part of our philosophical or cultural value, part of our values as an organization is that we are both a caring and a performing organization. So what that means is we are people first in everything that we do. Performance is always very important, and we expect our team members to outperform in every role that they hold within the organization, but our commitment to them is that we care for them in every in every shape of that word. So what that means is, and, and honestly, I don't think Hilti is very different than many other organizations out there that were hit with COVID. Uh, you know, when COVID hit, we were forced really in many ways against a wall to shift and pivot the way that we not only create learning programs for anybody in the organization, but in particular for the deskless worker who for many, many years since the inception of the organization has always really had to do things a different way than the traditional corporate employee. So I guess just to to maybe answer the question, what I would say is Hilti has always had a philosophy of the 70-20-10 model. So for those listeners that don't know, 70% uh, is believed to be on the job experience learning. So people learn based on doing, based on rolling up their sleeves and in the job, they'll learn the majority of their role just by doing it without any formal training or learning programs. Then 20% is really this informal learning where, you know, you're maybe added onto projects or you're adding on specific workload because we want to make sure that you're picking up on some skill sets, but it's not really uh, direct or uh, formal. And then, of course, you have this 10%, which, again, is the minority of the learning that we all do. This could be maybe an MBA or a certification of some kind. Maybe you're an engineer and you're going through your PN certification, whatever that may be. But it's very clear that 70% of your learning is really based on experiential. Now, what Hilti really focused on before COVID was taking that very seriously to the point where we did almost 100% of our learning in person. What this meant was we would fly people all across the world, and particularly if we talk about North America, we would fly people into Tulsa, Oklahoma, or to Plano, Texas, which is where our headquarters are, and we would do all of our training. Again, 99% of our training would be in a formal room setting with a facilitator and a group of individuals learning content. And let me be very clear, that was very successful for Hilti for 76 years right? That's what we did. And that was that. And we're very proud of that because when I go back to that caring and performing culture, part of the caring really was deep seated in the organization's culture that we wanted to bring people together to bond them together because it wasn't just a learning opportunity. Every time we flew people into the headquarters, it was a chance for you to connect with the corporate strategy, to meet your colleagues that when you're a deskless worker, as many of you listeners may know, if you are a deskless worker, you are many times isolated or lonely. You're working in your vehicle, you're working on your job site. So this is an opportunity to bond. Now, COVID comes, March, 2020 hits, the entire world shifts. And and like any other organization, Hilti immediately within 48 hours went to 100% virtual. So within a week, we launched teams across the entire organization, which for 34,000 people is an endeavor. Uh, we, we also at that time realized, you know, coincidentally at the same time as COVID, we're also launching Salesforce to our sales organization in the field. And 
you know, with COVID, what we, what we did was where many organizations were looking at the opportunity to say, especially for anyone that knows or works for publicly traded companies, what's the one thing that many of these organizations do at the beginning of COVID is they start laying people off. Mm-hmm. Hilti's caring and performing culture didn't allow that. In fact, nobody uh, was laid off as a result of COVID, and we were able to not only pay out bonuses, but pay out merit. I share that with you to give you an idea of the background of the culture. And what we did was we actually doubled down during COVID. So what do you have during COVID, and especially the first three or four months where most of North America was under some form of lockdown, is you have everyone's undivided attention. This is an opportunity that we did not take lightly. And as we say at Hilti, we didn't want to waste a crisis. So what we did was we took all of these individuals, we had their undivided attention for eight hours a day, and we doubled down on development. So we launched Salesforce, we started going through leadership development programs with our leaders, and all of our other deskless workers and corporate workers who work in front of a computer every day who are now working from home, we're also working with them on other forms of development where whether we're catching up or we're supporting them with career trajectories or career objectives that they all have. Now, that's all fantastic, but fast forward two years and we're exhausted. And what we're learning as an organization is that there is such thing as screen fatigue. There mm-hmm. is such thing, especially for a deskless worker or a field work, a field team member at Hilti per se, that is used to having regular human to human interactions with their customers on a daily basis. And now they're standing behind a screen for a larger proportion of time than they were in 2019. So we're learning as an organization as we go. Um, and I, I'm sure many of, of your listeners are also going through this with their organizations. Um, this is, this is an area where we continue to lean in to figure out what is the right balance? When is it the right time to bring people into the corporate office for an, a, not just a learning experience, but a bonding experience? But when is it also good and more productive to leave a team member in their hometown where they're not traveling away from their families? They're, they're working in their home office, whatever that is, because we know that every single human on this planet learns differently and has different preferences. You've brought up a lot of very interesting things. Um, one of the things I want to just come back to you for a few minutes is the the human interaction and the bonding that used to take place in your in-person training programs. And, and even outside maybe some of the formal structure that you have, you know, there's a lot of chatter going on across the global economy right now about working in an office and should we be bringing everybody back to the office? Should we let everybody stay remote? And you know, Apple's trying to bring people back into the office three days a week. I'm a huge fan of Apple. Love a lot of the things that they're doing out there. They also just spent billions on a new office. I'm pretty sure they'd like to see some people sitting in those desks, right? Um, so there are just a lot of things going on at the same time. But I, I think it, it's like so much of the chatter on LinkedIn that I see comes down to like, well, I could either commute and waste all my time with dry cleaning and commute times, or I could be in the office. And I'm like, well, I don't really think it's that. It doesn't need to be that polarizing. There is, I think it's indisputable. There's some value about being around your colleagues and learning from other people and just having, not a lot learning in the formal sense, but just sharing experiences and stuff like that. And so I do wonder, you know, if we could fast forward five or 10 years and look back on this time and see the artifacts of, of COVID on the workforce and see the things that we decided to keep in place, what will we regret and what will we find? Yeah, it, it, maybe it was good that COVID forced some of those changes, right? So I, I don't know. I don't. I certainly don't have the answer. I don't have a crystal ball. 
that I do spend a fair amount of time thinking about this question because I think we've we've lost sight of the value of the human interaction. And <clears throat> you just raised a point that's fascinating. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about this, but that frontline workers are used to being around other people. And so while they're isolated from their peers in a lot of ways, because they don't work with their peers, they are working with the customers and the public and retail and environments and, and things like that. That's a really interesting perspective. So when we take them out of the field, they, they might be around their colleagues more, at least on teams, but they're isolated from the people that they're used to working with. Yeah. And, and isn't that fascinating, right? So it's, it's something that we do talk about quite a bit internally. So we, we have this, we have this arrogance almost from a corporate perspective where we say the person that's working in the field, uh, which by the way, I have to take a caveat here and say that at Hilti, we believe, and we, we know with a hundred percent certainty that the deskless worker were the true heroes during COVID. Because regardless of what happened during COVID, where the corporate team member really had the option to work from home in their sweatpants, you know, and I was one of them, by the way, the reality is our, our, our team members in the warehouses, in the repair centers across North America and the world in, in distribution, in, in logistics, in the field, working with our customers every single day on job sites, you know, I think as a regular citizen of the world, I really took for granted all of the amazing work that the deskless worker does. So I think it's important just to call that out because anytime I have an opportunity to talk to an audience, I think it's important to say that that group really were the true unsung heroes of COVID. So and I love that that Hilti has that so deeply ingrained in your culture there. I think that's fantastic. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So getting back to your point, to your question, yes. So what's fascinating, I was talking about this arrogance that sometimes the corporate team member has, right? So I walk into an office environment, the water cooler chatter, I'm connected to conversations informally or formally, you know, I walk by the hallway and people can say, Hey, Jason, come on in here. We have an idea. We want to pull you in somebody working in the field or in their vehicle or on a job site doesn't necessarily have that privilege. However, What they do have that we sometimes take for granted is that they're more connected to the business than anybody else. Mm -hmm. They have deep connections with other human beings, which are the people that, that really support our business and believe in our products and our services and our software, in our case at Hilti. And they are very much connected to other human beings. So where I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the chat, you know, where leaders where the the team member feels this disconnect because they are having a hard time disconnecting because they're so close to the customer. It's almost seen sometimes as a failure. If I get to, if I have to pull away for a week to do some development for myself, that's selfish because my customer needs me. And I can't speak for every organization, but at Hilti, I think I speak for many of our team members in the field that say, I don't have time because who's going to do this when I'm not there. And then the leader is having a hard time communicating in the field because of course you have people all over all over North America and different geographies and different regions and and different expectations and they're not just sitting in a cubicle farm in front of you where you can you know just walk by and say hey let's go grab a coffee together so all of this to say your point about the the debate about working from home or remote work or hybrid i don't think that's ever going to go away and maybe that's part of the beauties of our democracy is that we get to debate about these things and we're never going to be in full agreement. I do believe that it's a spectrum. 
I do believe that organizations will fall along this spectrum. What I can share with you is what we've learned at Hilti is that, of course, as I mentioned earlier, everyone learns differently. Everyone has different needs. You know, we can talk about the impact that this has on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and opening up the idea of hybrid work attracts more females into an industry in construction, like construction, where we are seeing less than 13% representation from women. And in a talent market as difficult and as challenging as it is out there, we've got to tap on and be more attractive to more women to come into this organization and to any organization in construction. So that's not the topic today, but there's so much that hybrid work can teach and, and educate organizations as a whole to do this better. At Hilti, we believe that this, this, um, this spectrum sits in a place where part of our culture relies on this human connection. I said it earlier, right? So we believe very fundamentally that our offices are not just places where you work. They're places where you collaborate, celebrate, and create. The three C's. If you're doing these three things in the office environment, and if you're a field worker, by the way, we encourage you to come into the office to, to create, celebrate, and collaborate. Uh, not that you can't do those things in the field, but doing them together as part of our culture, it unites people. So we, we do allow hybrid work. We do encourage people to sometimes work from home, but to also have a balance of coming into the office. Yeah. Let's go back to the time affording frontline workers a time. You, you were laying out that scenario before, which, which really struck a chord with me, which is if I'm taken out of the field to go do something, then who's going to take care of, of my customers, my work, whatever that is. And I think, Part of the challenge I think that we have with the men and women on the front lines in terms of affording them the time is the measurement techniques that we use to evaluate their performance and productivity. So if we look at a field service technician or delivery drivers, we start talking about how many stops in their route, how much product they've delivered, how many work orders they've completed, how many parts they've sold, right? How many customers they've interacted with. So there's, there are very measurable KPIs for performance measurement on them. And it, feels to me that that's part of the difference with many knowledge workers. When we said before, the typical office worker can carve out some time to do some training in between other emails and things like that, right? I think knowledge workers tend to be less measured numerically in that way. And how do we afford them the time? Because the truth is somebody still does need to serve that customer. Somebody does still need to complete those work orders. And so unless we're taking them from a 40 to a 60 hour a week, like where do we get the extra time? How does that work? Do you have any advice for us on, on how you might handle that inside Hilti? Yeah, it's such a great question. So um, it's not a simple answer because I, I do agree with you that there are measurements in place that sometimes hinder our ability, an individual's ability to make that tough decision to prioritize their own learning right. or their own priorities versus others. And yes, compensation obviously plays a very important role there. If I'm compensated to hit certain metrics and if I step out even for a week, uh, if it's going to hinder that, then there's a problem. I will say that, you know, with Hilti in particular, and I know that many, many other sales organizations like us are, are working through this, especially post-COVID, not to keep talking about COVID, but COVID again, not just hybrid work, but even comp plans. How should people be incentivized and measured based on the new way of working post-COVID? Uh, it's something that we've looked at and many other organizations will look at as well, especially in the sales realm. Um, but, but I, I would even want to elevate it up, Justin. I want to elevate the conversation up and say, you know, regardless of the comp plan, what you really need in cases like this is courageous leadership. I think what you need 
is a leadership team that is that is confident in the fact that regardless of taking a week or two weeks off a year, let's really be realistic here. If somebody walks away for two weeks for vacation, which we know in the United States is an issue, it's a challenge for, for many Americans to step away because of various factors, which we won't get into, but we know that many, many studies show that Americans in particular are very challenged with taking vacation time off or any, any type of paid time off. But this, when I think of paid time off, I think of all kinds of time off. And one of those pieces of time off could be self-development as an example. Um, At the end of the day, whether it's vacation or taking time off to develop yourself, we need courageous leaders. And what I mean by that is we need a leadership team and we need organizations at the C-suite to really understand that in order for somebody to continue to maintain themselves from a, from a a health and wellness perspective to keep engaged team members and and employees in a workforce that is, that is as extremely challenging as it is today, especially Employees need to feel, as I said earlier on the call, they need to feel valued, they need to feel respected, and they need to feel safe. And a lot of that comes from the psychological safety that comes with me stepping away and knowing that my boss or my leader has my back and that I'm going to develop myself or I'm going to the Bahamas. Either way, I'm, I'm, I'm maintaining my personal mind and wellness so that I can come back and be an even better contributor to the organization. I think organizations that struggle in this space And by the way, Hilti is not perfect here either. Like any other organization, we need to continue to work on this, but it is something we've leaned in on. The idea that we do want to encourage people to develop. We do want to encourage people to focus and lean in on their own self-development or any other paid time off that's required. But I think this will be, and I don't mean to sound overdramatic, but I think in 2022 and as we head into 2023, it'll be one of the biggest competitive differentiators that organizations have in North America, which is, yes, you'll get your base pay and your bonus plan and your benefits, but I'm going to carve out time so that you can develop in any way that you want. And, and I'm not just going to say it, I'm going to force it and cut the space out. You remember at the beginning, I talked about carving out the time, carving out the time. We need to take that burden off of a, of a deskless worker. We need them to be, I, I don't like to use the word forced and I don't mean it in that typical way, but we need to forcefully as an organization, carve out the time for our people so that they don't have to have that challenge of psychological safety of worrying that my boss is going to either penalize me or I'm going to be, there's consequences as a result of me stepping away. And I'm, I'm really confident in the fact that if we can do that, I think this is the secret sauce to retaining more people, to hiring greater talent and fighting this war that we're kind of in right now, which is this huge war on talent, especially in the construction industry where let's face it, it's not the most attractive industry in North America to attract people, especially again, when we talk about women and other minority groups. So we need to do things like this to, to really encourage not only attraction, but retaining of people. Yeah. I I love that you talk about, I know you were uh, not sure that saying forced was the right word. And, and I get what you mean by that. It's, it's almost sounds like what you're saying is that it needs to be very deliberate and intentional right? In terms of making sure that at the leadership level, when they're having one-on-ones with their team, that they're asking questions about their personal and professional development. They're asking questions about the vacation time that they take out. And that's not, you know, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive to also filling out, you know, completing your work orders, completing your sales calls, doing all the other things. Those things should be integrated together. 
And you're right. right. I think as Americans, uh, I, I notice this more as I've talked to people outside of North America, comparatively, we do a very bad job at this generally, especially on the vacation topic. I don't know if we all fear that our job's not going to be there when we get back or something, but um, we, we do a very bad job at, at handling that, especially compared with uh, you know most folks in Europe. But I, I do think it affects some of the professional development, even the things that you know when you say go to the Bahamas. Sure, it's one thing. It's like okay, well, how does that help the business? Well, it doesn't help the business directly, but yes, it it brings back a healthy worker that's you know engaged again. Um, but even with professional development at work, like training and, and other professional development that's required for the job, we have to carve out time for that too, even when they're actually at work. And I notice of all the companies that we've had represented here on this podcast and just in my conversations outside this, this is a, a problem area. We're not, we're not allocating. And I, I think actually the, the challenges of recruiting people right now and bringing people on are exacerbating this problem because many companies don't have all of their positions filled. And so if you don't have all of your positions filled, then you already don't have enough resources to get the work done. And then carving out additional time at the same time is just you know basically impossible in many ways. But I think that the people that are feeling the impact on that are definitely the men and women on the front lines in particular. Yeah. And Justin, I, I love what you just said. And if I can maybe just add to this, it's, you know, I'm sure that there are listeners that are listening to this right now saying, you know, that's great. There are large organizations that have large budgets that have great L&D programs like the one Jason leads at Hilti. Fantastic. Um, And, you know, we will continue to leverage those great portfolios of learning and development programs that we offer our team members every day, like many organizations will. However, if you are listening and you either work for an organization that is much smaller or you're a leader listening and you're trying to think of ways that you can create these learning opportunities that I'm talking about, but not necessarily have the budget. Honestly, sometimes I feel like we, we, we overcomplicate always with an effort of doing good work, but we overcomplicate the simplest thing. And what I mean by that is imagine just telling one of your employees, I'm going to give you X number of hours a week or a month, or maybe it's a week, a year, and we're going to call it, I'll make it up innovation week or continuous improvement week. And your goal is to step away from your job and you're going to help us make this organization more productive or more efficient. Are you going to come up with the next idea? Whatever it is, of course, it has to tie into the culture of the organization and maybe your strategic objectives, but it doesn't have to cost any money. It doesn't have to be an add-on to your P&L. It just has to be this step away which in my opinion will build psychological safety. It'll create that comfort that whether you're a deskless worker and you can do this absolutely with deskless workers. I mean, we, we talk about this quite often at Hilti. Usually the people on the front lines are the ones that see most of the opportunity to improve anything that we need to get done in the organization. And we, they're the most underutilized employee population. Sure. And so what I'm sharing here is just a couple of suggestions, but, um, you know, it, it really doesn't have to cost anything. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned, um, secret sauce before, and you, you, you tied in with that retention. Can you share a little bit more about your and Hilti's approach and the way you think about retention? And, and I, I remember talking about the integration success rate that we talked about previously. Can you share a little bit more with that? About yeah, that with of course. Us. Happy to. So at Hilti, we, we are very much honed in on the fact that we have what we call an ISR rate, which is the integration success rate. So what this means is we measure 
the retention, not just the overall retention rate, which most organizations measure, but we also measure from the date of hire within the first 12 months, then the 24 month period, and then the 36 month period, how many people that we recruit are resigning voluntarily within that period of time. Why is that important? Well, we look, of course, at all of retention, which is an important metric that tells you across the entire organization in any period of time, how many people are leaving. We also think it's important that we look at, when we look at HR investment and recruiting and learning and development, at Hilti in particular, I like to call, I like to say that there's this very strong intensity when people join Hilti. The intensity is a lot of hand-holding to create an amazing onboarding experience. From the minute you connect with a recruiter, the recruiters do a phenomenal job to attract you. And then we have this onboarding team, which we call the People Experience Center, which basically holds your hand through the process until the day of your first day on the job. Everything from ordering your, your, your Hilti uniforms, your laptop, your cell phone, your credit card, so that you don't have to worry about that. And then from that point forward, you come to my team, to the amazing learning and development team, where we create a program, an onboarding program, to help you better understand the baseline foundations of the job. And so you come to Tulsa, and there's this whole experience. And I share this with you to say, ISR is important. We do this because it's not just good for business but because we also believe that measuring ISR and the overall retention rate, listen, at the end of the day, everything we do in this, in this area is an investment. Every time you hire someone and you can retain someone, every day you retain someone, you're saving tons of money to your P&L. Yeah. Now more than ever, organizations are having to stretch their compensation bandwidth and their guidelines because they're having to be very competitive in a market that three years ago was already somewhat competitive and not like it is today. So we measure these things because we want to know that we're getting return on our investment. And we want to know that if we're putting this much into these programs to retain talent, because the less we have, the more we retain, the less recruiting we have to do. Um, and it just, it, it kind of stops that, that sometimes vicious cycle. So that's why we measure it. Uh, but I will say the other way that I'll answer the question is everything we do is for the team member experience. So we want to make sure that not only are we giving them a great experience as they come in, but of course, as they continue their career with Hilti, it's very, very common for a team member at Hilti to spend their entire career here. Um, I'll give you an example. We have a team member here, even in learning and development on my team, who's been with the company, it'll be 40 years next year. And for many that's listeners, awesome. they may think that's just, that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, um, it, it, it's very common at Hilti. So I think that has a lot to say with not only the onboarding that happened 40 years ago in this particular case, but there are things that happen throughout the entire experience. We're caring and we're performing and, and that's why we measure retention in ISR the way that we do. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. We're, we're already coming up uh, short on time. There's one other thing you've, you've touched on this a little bit today. A lot of what we talked about talk about on the show is about technology adoption with this, the frontline worker population. So there's no shortage of new software applications, devices being pushed to the men and women on the front lines. You told a story uh, about launching Salesforce to 30,000 users. And I'm curious at the crossover of, you know, digital transformation initiatives, uh, perhaps managed by the IT and, and operations organizations, but with your perspective from an L&D standpoint, what have you learned about how to improve the adoption of technology in your organization from an L&D perspective and, and how are you handling those behavior changes and, and you know, can, what can you share with us about that? Yeah, of course. We still have a lot of work to do here. 
I'll be completely honest. This is something that we we continue to discuss and and try to figure out. Um, and if anyone has the the magic code for this, I am all ears. But let me just share with you maybe where this is potentially going. So we talk about the deskless worker. We talk about how before COVID we were very much focused on any type of formal or informal learning program. We would normally fly people in because we wanted to give them the experience. You know, for someone at Hilti who works in the field and works with our customers every single day, I believe that there is incredible technology out there, which by the way, we have started to leverage things like virtual reality, where you can put on a set of goggles and you can actually envision what that key application looks like before you get to a customer and make a potential mistake. You can put on these goggles and you can envision what this application looks like and we can work you know, we can control it from headquarters and we can actually have you do it at a job site or at a, at a different location. And we're starting to look at technology like this. We also look at things like 3D job sites. So imagine if you're, uh, you know, a, a team member in the field and, and you're learning a new application because maybe we have some new innovative products that have come in, which is something Hilti does very often. And instead of having to fly into the, the experience center or the learning center in Tulsa to actually hold the tools, you can actually see the application on your screen. You can move the screen around so you can see different visualizations of the job site. You can change out the tools on the 3D job site simulator. So if it's a, you know, if it's breaking concrete application one day, or maybe it's a decking application on the next day, you can switch it out so that we can create a really dynamic learning experience and you can do it from the front seat of your vehicle safely parked. So this is where we're going. We're going there not because we don't want to invest in the travel to bring people back. We will always have formal learning programs that, are, that we invest in to bring people back for that experience, that bonding connection that we want our people to have. But we also know that we need to be more balanced than we have been in the past because people have lives. That's the core of it. People have lives and, and preferences, and we want to meet our people where they are. So investing in technology, absolutely, it's a critical it's a critical component of the learning and development strategy. It's a, an important point of our marketing strategy, not just even with our team members, but even how we connect with our customers. We can do a lot of really cool things with technology. Um, we just have to find ourselves on that spectrum again. And I think like many organizations out there, the pendulum went one way. And now we're feeling like we're going completely the opposite because of the fatigue that I talked about earlier. We need to find when is it the right time to travel in for training versus developing yourself, whether it's in your, your home office or in the front seat of your van parked at a coffee station, right? Um, that's where we are. So to answer your question quickly, I do see a potential and adoption of more technology. It's definitely not going away. And where other industries are heavily invested in digitization, construction is, is definitely on the forefront of that as we progress. Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about the construction industry lagging a little bit from other industries in terms of technology adoption. And I've, I've seen that it's, it's always kind of boggled my mind because I think there are so many opportunities for innovation inside construction across all areas of that. And it seems like it has been a little bit slower than other industries. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Most people don't think about this, but retail was actually one of the early, early, early adopters of technology on frontline, you know, employees and food and beverage distribution. 
was very early. Uh, you know, UPS and FedEx and those types of companies were very early adopters. So they've been using mobile technology for decades since long before iPhones and Androids existed, you know. Um, but it does seem like construction has been a little bit slow to adopt. And, and what that tells me is it's going to happen. Even if it's a little bit behind, it's going to happen and it's probably going to hockey stick. And it sounds like, you know, Hilti's got the right culture and the right structure in place to really be able to enable that with your workforce, but you've probably got your work cut out for you. Yeah, we, we, we definitely do. And we see it. And I agree with you. It's, it's definitely an opportunity, um, you know, internally as an organization, we know that we have to lean in and we are, we're, yeah. we're definitely leaning in on this topic. And, you know, I will say that there is just so much opportunity for when we talk about even those three areas of productivity and safety and sustainability, we can use technology in many ways to support the industry, to continue to fulfill those three objectives. Um, and it's exciting. You know, there, I don't think there's ever been a more exciting time to be in construction. There's so much opportunity and we're ripe for change. So I'm really, I feel privileged and blessed to be at the forefront, especially with an organization like Hilti, which is really a, a premium brand in the industry. And we're doing some really cool work. And I'm sure many of your listeners are also working in organizations that are really at the forefront of some really cool stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you so very much, Jason. I appreciate the time today. I do need to, uh, to wrap it up there, but uh, thank you for sharing so much about your professional journey and uh, giving us an, an inside inside view into Hilti and, and the fantastic culture. Um, th that really, the, the just talking about culture comes up so much on our podcast. And I, I really have grown to appreciate that because I think so much of what makes an environment good for the men and women on the front lines is really dependent on having a solid and, and trusting culture in place. And it sounds like Hilti is a, uh, you know, a textbook example of, of how to do a lot of that right. So thank you for sharing that story today. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. All right. Well, I do need to wrap it up there to our audience. I hope you found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. And if so, we could always use the help. Please share and rate the podcast five-star ratings, especially on Apple podcast, uh, help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skyllful.com. And if you or someone else you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story or their story. And either way, we'd love to get connected and have you on as a guest on the show. Jason, thanks again for your time today. Thank you. Thank you.